I think the most important thing is to know who you are and what you like. I was always taught that it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what your job is. You know, you can make billions of dollars. You can make minimum wage as long as you enjoy what you do, right? As long as you're happy, as long as you can get up every morning and say, I enjoy going to work. Now it's still work, right? It's not called fun. It's called work, Yeah. right? But you have to love what you do. And so for me, I was just that person. I was the math person and not the creative person. You know, I was the numbers person and the, the logistics person and not necessarily the one that came up with all the jokes. So I knew who I was and I knew what I enjoyed. Welcome to Mentors on the Mic. I'm your host, Michelle Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in entertainment, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. Thanks for listening, and let the episode begin. My guest this week is Michael Pitt. Michael is a production manager in TV and film with over 70 credits to his name. According to the Directors Guild of America, or DGA, the production manager is the approved title for the top crew position, responsible for the administration of a feature film or television production. He is in charge of the budget, making sure everything runs smoothly during filming and hiring all of the department heads. Michael, along with a couple of key figures, is responsible for making the ship run. In this episode, we talk about his interesting journey to this role, or what he called his endgame. Instead of going the production route, he actually went a somewhat alternate path, building credits in the directing track. After countless hours as a production assistant, Michael talks about going from $500 a week on a Friday to $2,500 a week that following Monday. He worked as a second second assistant director, or AD, then a second AD, then a first AD, before jumping the track to production. He was the first assistant director on Men in Black 3, Sex and the City 1 and 2, I Am Legend, and so many more, including 30 episodes of the New York City show Person of Interest before moving to their production manager. He was a second AD on The Devil Wars Prada, which he mentions in this episode, too. He has spent the last few years as production manager for projects like Ocean's 8, Marvel's The Punisher, and the upcoming The Gilded Age from Downton Abbey's Julian Fellows. This episode is really fascinating, and I learned a ton about these roles and what goes into them. Welcome our mentor, Michael Pitt. Welcome, Michael. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. We've had some technical difficulties and you've been such a a trooper. So thank you so much. We got it. We're ready. Here we go. Great. So first question, how did you start in this industry? So I started probably the same way most people in this business started. I knew someone. So uh, my father was in the business. He was an agent at ICM for a long, long time. He represented uh, actors and directors and writers. And I turned 16 years old one summer and my father said, time for a job. So he got me a job on a movie called Disorderlies, which 
starred the Fat Boys and Ralph Bellamy, if you could remember all of those folks. Yeah. So I was a PA. I was in the office and I was uh, on set a little bit. I remember I made $30 a day and I had a great time. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the process. I loved the people. I loved that we were making something that people would go out and see and watch and enjoy. And I just wanted to do it every summer. So I sort of used that basis and and the context that I had made on that show and rolled that into a summer job when I was 17 and 18 and 19 and 20. And I sort of did that, you know, through high school and through college. I went to Brandeis University in Boston, which I know you know. Yes. And when I graduated college, I knew that that was the business that I wanted to go into. I had just enjoyed my time and uh, I really wanted to make that a part of my life. And so uh, my senior year, I flew out to Los Angeles to take a test to apply to get into the Directors Guild. Mm. Uh, They have a training program and they have about 20 to 30 people that um, are admitted. And wow. yeah, there's about four, five, six hundred people that apply every year. So it's a pretty, it's a that's pretty competitive. Yeah. Very competitive program. So, and it's interesting, it's not really, it's interviews and it's sort of a psychological test that they give. It's not really an aptitude test. They want to first learn who you are to see if you're right for the business, mm. which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, Anyway, and how, old did, how old did you take this test or how old were you? Uh, I was 21 at the time, okay. 21 at the time. So um, I didn't get into the program, sadly, yeah. um, but I well, went 30 up, out of 600. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I wound up going to film school at USC. Um, I figured um, that uh, instead of going right into the business, I wanted to do some sort of training or some sort of further education, just to make sure that I was ready, just to have that good trampoline before I you know, ventured out into the real world. So I did that. I went to, again, I was very lucky to get into that program. That was the Peter Stark program at USC. And it's a two-year program. The second year, uh, you do an internship uh, during the day, and then you go to classes at night. And my internship happened to be at Columbia Pictures, and it was for a man named Gary Martin, who's very, very big in my in the production world. And my last day of the internship, I went to them and I said, "Listen, I love it here. I would love to stay." And this is in Los Angeles, obviously. And they said, "Well, we really don't have a spot for you, but we have a movie starting up called Last Action Hero, and we would love for you to be a PA uh, on that show." And I said, great, that would be terrific. So I was on that movie. I was like the third person hired, you mm, know, after wow. the, the director and the producer yeah. and the cast. I was like the, the third person in the office or the fourth person in the office. So I was on that movie for a year. And that shot in New York. It shot in LA and New York. And I stayed with a friend of mine from Brandeis when we shot in New York. I had a nice place to stay and, and I was able to work on the New York portion. And and I loved it. I loved New York. I loved everything about it, the energy and, and just what it was about. And that movie ended and the producer said, hey, my next movie I want you to do with me. And that was Die Hard 3. And so I went back to LA. We nice. prepped that movie. 
which was a great experience. We prepped that movie and then we went to New York to shoot it. And I just wound up staying in New York. I'm like, this Mm. is where I want to be. This is where I want to live. I met some amazing assistant directors. I met some amazing producers. You know, they said, hey, my next job is on a TV show. Come do it with me. And so I sort of packed up my LA apartment and moved to New York. And here I am. Been here ever since. Hopefully, yeah, continuing to work, hopefully. (laughs) So, so, okay, one question that came up for me and then I'll ask another one. Um, So we talked about you deciding to go into this sort of line, this production side. Why not creative? Why not maybe follow in your dad's footsteps in terms of being an agent or being on another role, you know, in the business? Why production? I think the most important thing is to know who you are and what you like. I was always taught that it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what your job is. You know, you can make billions of dollars. You can make minimum wage as long as you enjoy what you do, right? As long as you're happy, as long as you can get up every morning and say, I enjoy going to work. Now it's still work, right? It's not called fun. It's called work, Yeah. right? But you have to love what you do. And so for me, I was just that person. I was the math person and not the creative person. You know, I was the numbers person and the, the logistics person and not necessarily the one that came up with all the jokes. So I knew who I was and I knew what I enjoyed. And, you know, movies, is, movies are made up of 20, off the top of my head, 20, 25 departments. And there's a lot, they're very different, but the production department and the logistics department, that was just the one that I was really, really comfortable with. And so that was the one that I pursued. I love it. And so for those of you who don't know, PAs are production assistants, correct? Production assistants, right. Yes. So there's, they're all over the place. There's office production assistants, set production assistants, but yes. So I was a production runner before. Is that the same thing? Same type of thing. You know, okay. they, they call it different, different mediums. Maybe it was a commercial or maybe it was, yeah, a, it was a TV commercial. show. Yeah. So they, same, same type of thing. And so how would you describe just the responsibilities of those first, those initial positions that you just, you know, being a PA on, on all these projects? It's the bottom of the barrel, right? It's the bottom of the totem pole. Um, I was telling somebody the other day that I, one of the shows I did when I was 19, I had to clean out a 10 yard dumpster. Like that was my job. Oh God. Uh, It's, you know, it's that. It's definitely coffee. Hey, can I have some coffee? Um, It's, you know, copy this. It's, hey, can you pick up so-and-so from the airport at four in the morning? Um, It's it's you're paying your dues. You know, you're paying your dues. PAs generally make minimum wage. And I remember in order to join the Directors Guild, you need 600 days. It might have changed now, but when I was doing it, you need 600 days as a production assistant. You have to document all of those days, and then you turn in your book, and you're approved to join. And I remember I got approved on a Friday and something like that. And then a friend of mine had a job in Minnesota. So I literally was making 500 a week on Friday. I flew to Minnesota on Sunday, and I was making 2,500 a week. That's so different. (laughs) Right? So wow. there's, a, there's an end game, there's an end game, but, but being a PA is about just, yes, yes, I can do it. Good attitude. And just, I want to be here. I'll do what it takes to put in my dues. 
and I'm ready to move up the ladder. And so just last question about that. Did you ever have what I call like reality show moments? And what I mean by that is I remember once I didn't work for too long as a production runner, but I, or PA, but I remember there were a couple moments just cause it was a commercial. It was like, you know, you have to get in everything at, you know, at a certain time and, you know, trying to beat the clock. And I remember there was just a couple like tasks I had to do all at the same time where, you know, it would just be like one on top of the other, just, uh, you know, I'm trying to finish this one task and they're calling yeah. me and they're like, get this, get this, you know, <laughs> come back, but come back soon. Where are you? And I called it like a reality show moment. Cause I was like, this is insane. Like this is an insane life. <laughs> Amazing. And it was awesome to be on it. But did you have a lot of those moments? It's a very unique business, right? So you know, time is money, right? You're, you're shooting and everybody, uh, you know, you've got to move quickly and efficiently and you're dealing with egos, right? So somebody tells you to do something, they want it done first. Somebody else tells you to do something, they want it, does, does, uh, they want it done first. Sometimes those two people don't like each other. Sometimes those two people don't care that you have other things to do. And you are, you are constantly being run around in circles and the day flies, it flies by. I don't know if this happened to you, but like it just flew by. There's just so much to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, okay, so you, you, you know, you were PA for all these projects, 600 days at minimum, just, you know, and then you get into the DGA, big deal. You're now going to Minnesota. What was the next step? What's the next thing after that? I always tell people in the business, so figure out what, what your end game is, right? What do you, what do you want to do? with your career? Where, what, what, do you, what would be the pinnacle of your career, right? It could be a director, it could be a writer, it could be a producer, it could be a studio, it could be cameraman, it could be an electrician, it could be a makeup person. What's, what, what do you love, right? What gets you up in the morning? And then once you've figured that out, there's so many different ways to get there. So figure out what your path is going to be. So I always knew that I wanted to produce. I always knew that I, I wanted to be a production manager um, and I wanted to produce. And again, there's so many different ways to get there. Um, but the path that I chose was being an AD, being an assistant director. So I got my days as a PA. I joined the Directors Guild as an assistant director. And the way our structure works in the AD department is there's a first AD, which um, basically stands next to the director, sort of runs the set does the schedule. Um, it's that person that sort of leads the crew into making the movie. And then below that is the key second assistant director, um, obviously the assistant to the first assistant director. And that person does a lot of the planning, just again, a lot of the logistics, um, the call sheet. Okay, how are we going to shoot the next day? We're going to put these people here and we're going to move these people over there. Then we're going to have these trucks move there. We're going to get the extras ready over there. I have to call these actors to make sure that they're ready uh, and they have the new pages for tomorrow. So it's very, you know, you're, you're, you're never on set. You're always on the phone just handling logistics. And then below that is the second, second assistant director. Um, and that person is on set with, generally, generally, on set with the first assistant director, basically helping him, setting the extras, communicating with the crew, that kind of thing. And so that's basically what I did. I, I spent uh, six or seven years as a second second. I spent six or seven years as a key second. I spent six or seven years as a first assistant director. And then by that, what is that? 21 years, 20 years. Yeah. Um, and by that time I was so, 
exhausted from the hours, from the nights, from night shooting, from the crap that I would take from so many people. And, uh, and I said, gee, you know, my health and my stamina, and I just want to get out of here and it's, it's time. So I wanted to segue into being a production manager, which again was my sort of end goal. And I was very lucky. I was on a, a television show called Person of Interest, and I was the first AD for a number of years. Great um, show. Great show. So difficult to make, but so rewarding, you know, when you see it on, on screen. I was on Person of Interest, and I went to the producers. The sh- I knew the showrunner. Uh, the showrunner is like the, the, cre- the number one creative force behind the show. Right. He's the, um, she's the one, she or he is the one who chooses all the actors at the end of the day, especially for TV. They're right. part, they're, they're mainly in that decision because they have to keep it, you know, consistent throughout a whole season. Right. Right. And, and, and really the head writer, you know, he, that person decides sort of what direction the show goes in and, and, and so forth. It's a really, it's a big role. <laughs> it's a huge role, but you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's the director, you know, it's the Steven Spielberg, it's the George Lucas, it's the, Right. Barry Levinson of TV. So anyway, so I went to them and I said, listen, I want to segue into this. And they were like, look, we, we believe in you. You know, we, we hear what you're saying. You know, we would rather hire inexperienced, good people that we trust rather than sort of fill the, that spot with somebody that we don't know. And I was able to move up, move and up And he doesn't way. know the show, right? Exactly. You knew the show. Exactly. People I knew the show involved. backwards and forwards. Yeah. And it's interesting because not to get too much into the weeds, but um, the production manager's role and the assistant director uh, role is very, very, very different. It's it almost could be its own department. Um, so you, a lot of people. Well, I should say this: most people that become production managers don't start out as ads. They come from uh, a number of different areas. Um, but it's something that I really wanted to do. And I, I thought that the AD background for me um, would give me just a ton of production experience. And I could use that, you know, as I, as I continue to move up the ladder. It's a very, it's a very well-respected um, position, a very difficult position. So in comparison to your peers or like on other people who you saw becoming production managers, was this, is this an uncommon route? Is this a risky route to go the AD track? I'd say it's, um, I would, I would say it's risky because it's hard to segue into becoming a production manager or a producer from an AD position. It's definitely not as common as a production coordinator who is somebody that works in the office all the time or uh, in New York, in particular, location manager. Many location managers become production managers. Production coordinators become production managers. And also, I would say even, you know, there's sort of a non-union route. You know, you can sort of do non-union shows as production managers or producers and sort of, and you know, move up the ladder that mm-hmm. way. Got it. Um, Interesting. So that's, that. yeah, that's sort of the path that I, that I took. So and you I'm, were able I'm, to then get on person of interest as a production manager. Correct. Correct. And then... And then I met the producer. It's funny, the producer that hired me as an AD on Person of Interest left the show, then came back to the show in season, I think, five or six, and was the person that actually 
again, hired me as the production manager. So she really believed in me. And we still talk to this day. I've done maybe 10 or 15 jobs as a UPM and and I've done two or three with her still. And she's just an amazing person. Her name is Margot Lulick and she's just one of the smartest people that I've met in the business. So that's Very amazing. Lucky. Well, and, and also just, okay, so well, first of all, actually, I should ask, can you define the role of a unit production manager or UPM in this case? So the UPM is essentially in charge of, of the money, right? So the UPM makes all the deals with the crew, makes all the deals with the vendors, secures all the equipment. Uh, the UPM signs all of the checks and works for the producer and the studio, you know, reports into the producer and the studio. The producer and the studio should be able to turn to the production manager at any point in time and say, where are we? What's our budget? What are we projected to spend? Are we over budget? Are we under budget? You know, how are we doing? It, he's the person or she, a lot of female production managers, certainly. That person is constantly being asked, I need more money, right? The construction department needs more money. The makeup department needs more money. We need more people. We need more supplies. And you have to balance the yeses, right? You can't say yes to everything. You'll go over budget. A lot of problem solving Um, skills. (laughs) A lot of problem solving skills. And you're also being creative actually here. You know, you have to a lot, you have to find these creative solutions probably. You have to find the creative solutions and you have to be able to look at the show and a producer as well. You have to be able to look at a show and say, okay, here's where I want to spend my money, right? I did, I did Devil Wears Prada as an AD. Um, And so. Great movie. We're all really grateful for that movie. Right. Right. I did Ocean's 8 as a production manager and we said, okay, (laughs) right. Where are we going to put our money? Are we going to put our money into the transportation department or are we going to put our money into the hair Mm. and makeup department, you know, and the costume department? So, um, so call, right. Yeah. So, so the teamster captain got a no from me way more often than the hair and makeup folks got a no from me. And so that's, that's where the, you know, that's where the balance is. That's how you have to decide what to do. And, and if you do go over budget, you know, it's easy to say yes, you know, yes, sure, sure. But if you do go over budget, you know, you don't work again, you know, you, you're, you're sort of labeled or you're said, Oh, he, you know, he's good, but he had problems on this, on this show. And you have to be very careful. You know, it's a balance. Yeah. The thing I was a, a PA for the production runner thing um, was for a commercial that went millions over budget. And I remember thinking right. like, who's <laughs> the one that's going to end up at fault for that? But yeah, that was problematic. So, I mean, has that happened to you or has it all been, I mean, that's, I guess my next question was, how was that transition for you of going from, you know, being now the first AD to now being a production manager? It was very hard. It was very hard. There was a massive learning curve. Um, And it's funny, we, you know, my friends, my colleagues are other production managers. So... Yes, you can sort of call somebody and say, hey, you know, I need some quick advice. What did you do about this? But a year later, you're going to be up against that person for a job. So again, you have to sort of figure out who you can trust, who you can't trust. A lot of producers have become production managers, so you can always sort of go to them. But again, that was really, I mean, I had never seen a budget until, congratulations, you're in charge of the budget. So you have to do a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a very competitive field. 
that we're in. You know, there's certainly a lot of people that can do what I do and do it well. And you have to figure out a way to separate yourself. It's a, it's a business of relationships and it's a business of who you know and who you can trust, you know, more than anything else. I, I, I said this earlier on another thing, Michelle, that we did with, that we did together. And I, I feel like it's so important as it relates to our business. And that is, it's not a meritocracy, right? So you could give an amazing performance in a show and at the end of the show, your reward is, thank you very much. You're out of work. Good luck finding your next show. Right. Right. So it's really, really difficult. You know, you have to be, you have to be ready for that in our, in our business. So how do you go from project to project then on that note? I mean, is it just, is it just one of those things where like someone's looking for something and you, I mean, at this point, I assume you just put your name in the running for something, but you know, even just your, your moving up, you know, from second, second AD to second AD to first AD, is that just one of those things where you're hearing that they're looking for that position? You're like, okay, I'm applying for it. Or you just work with the same people. It's exact. I mean, it's a combination of everything. So it's all word of mouth. It's just all word of mouth. I will give anybody an opportunity. I, I will give anybody a day on one of my shows. Like if somebody says, oh, I've got a cousin, a friend of this or that who you know, wants to be in the movie business. Great. Done. They can absolutely- You did it for me. I did it for you. You did I, it for I me. Will... I was a PA for one day on your movie. And I think you also got me um, an invite to the cast party. I was like, Morgan Freeman was there. Oh my God. Wow. That was, that? That was, that was a great cast party. Actually. That was a great cast party. <laughs> I wish I knew like what I know networking now that I did like then because I had the greatest time, but I did not follow up with anyone. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which sort of goes to my points, right? So, you know, you work a day on a show and what you do with that is all you. Do I, do I network on that show? How do I meet people? Can I work another day? Do you need me? Oh, when do you need me next? I'll be there. No questions asked. You know, I met this person. I met that person. And you build up over time these relationships with people. It's like these, a Rolodex. It's a network. Right. It's exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, you see them at parties or you see them on this show or that show or you're walking by or you talk to them on the phone or you go for a beer or whatever and you say, okay, who's shooting this now? What's happening over here? What's shooting at this stage? And you just hear about it word of mouth. That's how we work. And that, that's every, that really, that's every department. You know, that's the makeup department too. That's the construction department. That's the camera department, the grip department. And you build up people that you enjoy working with. You know, like this guy did a good job for me. I'm going to hire him again. I've hired many people that I've worked with. And I, I have hired people who, when I was a PA, were my favorite people. There yeah. are a couple people, right? When I was 22 or 23 years old on Die Hard 3 that I remember as department heads. And they, they're still doing it. And I just learned so much with them. They were so nice to me. They gave me a wrap gift or whatever. And I'm doing a show and maybe my regular guy's not available. And hey, I'm going to call Tom. You know, he was so nice to me when I was younger and it's a three-day job and, and I'd love to give him some work. You know, Which is great like because, I mean, it, it goes back to that saying, you should really just be nice to everybody in general, in life. But also like, I mean, it's the same thing for actors. Like we're told, like, don't be an 
ass to like the assistant <laughs> yeah. or receptionist at an office because that person's the future this, you know? So people remember these things. They'll be like, I remember you as the actor who came in, you know, for this project. You were so nice to me. And I remember that when I became an assistant or I became the next associate. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, just be nice to everybody. It's just it's a so great true. rule of thumb. So true. So true. I, it is absolutely true. I mean, we should be nice to everybody in the world in the in first general, place. In general, exactly. Right. But, but yeah, I remember, I remember one time where I didn't get a job and I really wanted it. And I wrote a note to the AD and I said, I'm sorry, I wrote a note to the producer who put me up for the job with the first AD that I, and the first AD didn't want me. So I didn't get the job. And I wrote an email to the producer and I said, thank you so much for your time. So-and-so didn't hire me. He hired so-and-so. He upgraded a PA instead of me. And this will be his first job. And because I was so, I was just very angry and bitter about the whole thing. And I mean, I got 10 phone calls after that. How could you say something like that? That was incredibly rude. You know, we're all trying to work in this business and you need to, you need to learn how to, how to act and how to talk. And I always remembered that. It was a stupid thing that I wrote and uh, I didn't get the job and that's the way it goes. And I should have said, thank you so much. Please keep me in mind if, if anything happens. I, it was a pleasure to meet you and I'd love to work with you someday. That's, that's the note, you know? Yeah, but that's a great lesson and it's great that you share that because then people can learn from that, you know, for themselves as well. But, you know, it's something that you, you need to learn. It's not like, you know, there's a manual about how to like handle all these things all the time. Exactly. So true. Follow up follow up on meetings with a note, with an email, you know, a handwritten note sometimes if you really, if it really fits. But uh, like I said, there's no meritocracy. You know, you're, you do a good job, you're rewarded with an unemployment check, you know, good luck, you know, good, you know, have to find your next job. At this point in time, do you usually have projects lined up? I mean, uh, you know, taking away all this COVID stuff, but you know, do you have projects lined up and stuff, or is it still sometimes there are gaps where you're just like, I don't know. It's time to network again. <laughs> right. So when I started, uh, I hate to be that guy, right? When I started so many years ago. That's what you have. To, I mean, that's what I'm asking. So right? it makes yeah, sense. It was, well, it was a different, I mean, it was, a, it was such a different world. You had the three networks. You had ABC, NBC, and CBS. I don't even think Fox was around, you know, in the 80s, right? So then Fox came then like the the on channel and the z channel came and then you know hbo came and then showtime and the movie channel and cinemax came and then netflix AMC came at some point yeah then amc and, and and tnt and and, yeah. and, and usa uh, usa and tbs then those, right then those channels popped up and then streaming and then, right, and then Netflix, and then Amazon, and now Apple. So I would go, oh God, hope my wife's not around. I would go, I would go <laughs> months. I would go two, three months without a job. Yeah. When I started out, you know, in the 90s or the 80s. Well, 80s really doesn't count, right? Because I was just doing it for the summer. So in the 90s, I mean, I would go months. And three, four, five people were interviewing for one job. And you had to know somebody and you had to have a contact and, you know, in order to get that job. And, you know, you learned how to save your money, right? I mean, you learned to spend 70% of your income, put 30% away for when you're not working. So now, I mean, and now it's just off the charts, right? Now there's 500 shows that are shooting. So now it's a little, 
easier to get a job, um, particularly after you've been you know, established for a number of years. Uh, so that's, yeah, I mean, yes, is the answer. So generally, I mean, knock on wood a thousand times, but you're able to find another job generally around, you know, a little bit before when you finish the first one, you kind of know when you're ending. So you kind of put the feelers out a month or two ahead of time and knock on wood, it's been, it's been good. Great. And so I guess the final question really is what's next for you? What's, what's the next project or how much you can talk about it. So I understand that sometimes these things are not stuff we can talk a lot about. So luckily I'm going to do a show called the Gilded Age for HBO, which I'm really excited about. It's, it's written by Julian Fellows and it is- That's really familiar. Yeah. It's, it's in the Downton Abbey world. Yes. It's been a great show to work on. We were two days away from shooting when, when we were completely shut down and we're using this time now to sort of figure out, you know, what the, what the new normal is going to be like. But it's a it's going to be a terrific, terrific show. It's just so well written, and it's just going to be visually incredible. Vanya Cernjul, who is the DP on Crazy Rich Asians, is shooting it, and Michael Engler, who directed the movie, the Downton Abbey movie, is going to be the primary director. Which I loved. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be an amazing, amazing show. If if we ever get to, if we you ever, will. No, you will. No, you that. will. I'm, po- I'm, I'm, I'm going to be positive about this. But it all, it has. Doesn't it have like Christine Baranski and like Cynthia Nixon attached? That's right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it. So it's going to be a great, great show. Really excited about it, and and challenging, and challenging. You know, it's it's, um, it takes place 150 years ago. Yeah. Where's so that? Where's that filming? It won't film in in the city. So or we won't it? really film in the city. Yeah, we're yeah. filming. Um, our stages are in Queens, right, um, in New York City, and we're filming on Long Island a little bit as well. Makes so, sense. Yeah, that's where we'll be. That's exciting. So, how much are you able to do now with all that's going on? So we're we're really. I mean, I was telling um, I was telling my boss we were having a conversation, and there's a lot to get done right now. We have to. We are phase four in the phases. Um, we are one of the last companies in the last businesses to start up in, in everyone's plan. Our actors obviously cannot wear masks. We cannot social distance on the set. You know, we need to be free to block a scene in the appropriate way. And so we've got a lot to figure out. We're in the process of figuring out, you know, our airflow. We're in the process of figuring out exactly what PPE we need. We are in the process of figuring out our sanitation protocols. You know, our industry is really diving in and 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 the good news is that everybody wants to help. So from the PAs to the directors and the producers, everybody is sort of saying, all right, guys, let's all put our heads together and figure out how to start making product again. So, I mean, we're hoping that, you know, new shows can be back on the air, you know, as early as September, October. You know, we're certainly working towards that goal. Our show won't be, but other shows um, are working towards that goal. But that's, you know, that's, that's the goal. It's interesting on my end because, and and I'm curious your thought on it. So like as an actor, I'll get an audition, you know, for something that's casting now and they're not exactly, some, some of them don't know exactly when we're going to be able to film it. But like I auditioned for like a Christmas movie, not too long, like a week or two ago. And their intention was to film in July. And they said, you know, like part of the email to me from my agent was, you know, 
it's going to film in Connecticut. A car is going to pick you up with a barrier to the driver and you're going to get there and we're going to minimize contact and we're going to do this and that. And there's going to be PPP, you know, available. Like just, there was all these precautions set in the email just for the audition. Right. And I remember thinking like, this is creative, but at the same time, you know, will this be able to be up and running by July? You know, I don't know. I don't know either. And, you know, a bunch of us were talking today and here's what we hope, right? We hope one studio or one production company says, as soon as it opens, as soon as the governor says go, right? As soon as phase four happens, we're going to be first. We really hope that one show just goes. Like sets the and precedent. Exactly. And that way, I mean, because in our business, I would think in most businesses, but our business in particular, you know, you, you learn by doing, you learn by seeing, you yeah. know, it's not, you can't learn how to make a movie in a book, right? So you really hope that one show goes first and literally if that happens, I mean, and there's shows uh, abroad that are shooting. There's some shows in Germany, I think, and I think there's a show in Iceland that's starting up soon, but, but that's not, I mean, that's not the States, you know, it's different. We really hope that one show goes first. And so we can see, okay, that's what they're doing. That's what they're not doing. You know, the, the people that are working on that show can say, okay, we really screwed that up. Let's do this instead, you know, or we did this really well, you know, whatever it is. But, yeah. you know, you need an example and then you can kind of adjust. Did, did you hear that? Like, I mean, Tyler Perry Studios is very specific, but there were rumors or there were, you know, some articles out that because he has his own studio set up, right. in in Atlanta, that some of his productions were going to, you know, start up again and people are going to be tested. And then they would have to stay there. Like all the whole crew and the cast would stay, you know, on the lot because it's big enough and would be right. quarantined from everybody else. And I was like, that's an interesting take if that is true. I mean, so, and obviously not everyone has the capabilities of doing something like that, but that's an interesting sort of test. Exactly. Exactly. And, and as far as I know, that is true. Um, and that is what he's doing. So sort of like what the, NBA is, what the NBA is doing, right? You put everybody in a bubble, you test yeah. them at the beginning, right? And then you just say goodbye to your families and you live on the property. You live 10 minutes from the set, you know, five minute walk from the set, 10 minute walk from the set. Everybody stays together. Everybody eats together. But that's not, it's not the world. That's not the real world. You know, you can't really, you can't really do that. I mean, our show is yeah. 500 people. So right. you can't, you can't do that for every show. You know, people yeah. are going to want to go home. So. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds. And like you said, it's going to be, you know, work in progress. People are going to try some things and pass it on to others and be like, oh, wait, this worked, this didn't work. So I'm curious to see what all this will be like in a few months. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, film in and of itself is a very collaborative art. Got a, you've got everybody sort of working towards a common goal and, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that kind of thing? And, and so we'll be sharing all of our ideas, all of our successes, all of our failures with each other, all of our vendors, you know, with yeah. each other. And, we'll, and so we'll see. I mean, people, people are going to want their content. You know, it's, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, we were interviewing, we're going to have a, a medical advisor on our staff, you know, a, a sort of a COVID person For who sure. is going to show us how to do the PPE, who's going to remind people, hey, six feet apart, who's going to say, hey, turn the air on, we need to air it out, it's been too long, you know, whatever. She was telling me that, you know, she worked in the ER at a, at a hospital in the ER. I said, that must be crazy for you that, you know, I said, thank you, that must be a real 
intense job, obviously. I mean, you must have gone through a lot. And she said to me, you know what? I'm going to thank you because when I go home, I need my shows. I need to watch my shows. It's so beautiful. So it's, you know, people need it. And, um, and we obviously want to go back to work. So we want to yeah. give it to everybody. Lots well, of wonderful you know, moment to end on, um, one of positivity and, (laughs) and, you know, just, you're right. Everyone wants to work and everyone wants to see new content be available. So it's, you know, we're, we're pushing towards that goal now. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see, hopefully we'll be back at work soon. Hopefully. Thank you so much for this. This has been so informative and interesting. I've learned stuff just in, in, in hearing you talk about your world and I mean, as it relates to me, but just in general. And I want to thank you. This has been fantastic. No, it's my pleasure. It's, it's Michelle, it's great to talk to you. And it's a wonderful business. You know, it really yeah. is. It's very rewarding to, to see your name on screen and to have people come up to you and say, oh, I love that movie or I love that show or it feels really good inside. You work really hard and it's fun to see people appreciate your work. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, well, that's it. But thank you again. Uh, this is so great. Um, <laughs> you know, I look forward to hearing about all the updates as time goes on as to how life continues. Yep, yep, that sounds great. That sounds right. great. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much. Last week, I promised to read a review of the podcast aloud, and I wanted to do just that. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. This one is from Tamira Strives. It's titled Extraordinaire. Wow, what an amazing interview with Stan Brooks. Excellent job. I loved the story of him having breakfast with his grandfather every week, and his best work is for his three sons. So sweet. Can't wait to watch the movie about the German woman based on the true story. And to find out he's friends with one of my favorite authors, Mitch Album. OMG, Tuesdays with Maury was everything. Amazing how Stan started in the mailroom. I learned a lot on what readers do with coverage. I enjoyed listening, and it was inspiring. Stan has a long list of accolades, so def bring him back for part two. And congrats to you on starting your book before COVID-19. It's going to be interesting to see how the film acting world will be. Thank you so much, Tamara Strives. And please, if you haven't yet, listen to episode one on Stan Brooks. And please review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend you know would love it. Let me know what you learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram, at Mentors on the Mic. I will be sharing even more information about our mentors. These are crazy times, and now more than ever, it's so important to connect. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it, and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating on iTunes. I'm choosing a review to read on our next episode. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. Thanks.